0: alive right now. Okay, enjoy this moment. You're alive right now. I know you're alive because you're hearing this and I'm alive right now because I'm saying this. We are connected. We are totally connected through this podcast medium, but beyond that, we're breathing. We exist. We are alive. Does that register how wonderful that is? What a gift. What a gift. You want to extend it? Yeah. You want to do everything you can to not only sustain it, but to give yourself some great days ahead when you're in your 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and maybe you hit the century mark, huh? Well, walk into that vitamin shop. I did. I took two steps in the vitamin shop. I looked around. I left. I said, "Uh uh-uh, fuck this. Ceiling to floor supplements. Convincing the human race that you're not good enough as is. You kidding me? You're just walking around as is? (laughs) You need the bee pollen, you need the possum oil, you need the antioxidants, you need vitamin A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, holy shit, a vitamin shop, it's the size of an NBA arena. How are there that many things that we should probably take? You should probably take this. I used to have a shoebox full of shit, a shoebox full of shit. I'd be popping it every morning. Oh, this is cactus leaf. It's good for my digestion. Oh, this is ginkgo and biloba. It's good for your mind. I was taking a bunch of stuff just because I was told, hey, you probably should take some of that for your skin and your nails and your posture. You should probably take something. You give me a supplement when I was, I don't know, 20 to 35, I would probably just go, okay, yeah, I'll take this. Just blindly take it. Then I talked to a doctor. Talked to a doctor named Cosmo. I said, Cos. He said, yeah, boy. I said, Cosmo, what should I be taking? And all he said was, just drink some water. And I said, interesting accent. Just a drink of some water? He said, yeah, boy. Lot of mercy, all you need is water. And I said, shit. All these years, I've been taking all the supplements. And you're saying, just drink water? Well, how much, Cosmo the doctor? How much should I be drinking? And he just said, until you're not thirsty anymore. And I'm pretty sure he was a doctor, but he did say that. Until you're not thirsty anymore, just drink water. I think uh, it's all bullshit. I really do. I think just eat food, try to excrete it when you need to excrete it, and move on with your day. And if you want a panic attack, take two steps into a vitamin shop, which is misspelled S-H-O-P-P-E. Oh, what a marketing genius. Here's how we're going to separate ourselves from the competition. Vitamin is going to be spelled properly, but when it comes to shop, we're going to knock their socks off. S-H-O-P-P-E. Book it. Book nothing, vitamin shop, convincing people that they need this and you need that. No, you don't. No, you don't. I'll take a little oil of oregano when I'm feeling sick. I'll take a little vitamin C, but instead of committing to all of the nonsense pills that I used to flood my system with, I'm good. Alec Baldwin killed someone. More on that later. We're back after this. And we're clear. We all read that story, right? Alec Baldwin killed somebody with a gun on a set. Wasn't supposed to be a real gun. Wasn't supposed to be a real bullet. Now there's an investigation. Um, fascinating story. Sad story. Scary story. Don't we all have the same question, though? Isn't there only one question? Why are we using real guns? Even to the point where you're like, no, but we use blanks. You know, why not just a toy? Why not just maybe something plastic? Add the sound effects later. Did I just solve everything? This is how Bruce Lee's son died on the set of The Crow. Brandon Lee died that way. At that point, should have been a mandate. Hollywood mandate. We're not using real guns, even in a military movie. Am I that type of moviegoer where I'm like, that's not a real gun, this is not a good movie? No, I'm pretty sure... Fake toy guns from here on out. And that's my opinion about the Alec Baldwin murdered someone. Can I use the word murder? Probably not. I have to just say killed someone. You got to get the terminology correct. That is beyond belief. And don't you feel like a really shady ending is coming? Are we going to discover something grisly, like someone planted this in Baldwin's hand? I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I'm not here to do the TMZ speculation. You're not listening to Entertainment Weekly. Okay, and we're back after this. We're clear. That's a tough topic. Okay, I'm not sure I want to go with that topic anymore. When we start recording episode 160, maybe we just avoid the Alec Baldwin topic. I didn't even want to get into it. I didn't want to get into it. Okay, and we're back. So, the grossest thing you could ever see it's not a hot pile of barf on a bench in a park. It's not. We've all seen it, but it's not. The grossest thing you could ever see nowadays. It's also not a toilet splattered. A public restroom that has just been splattered with fesses. I'm going to mispronounce that, but I think you know the word. Splattered with fesses. Where's the teacher to correct my pronunciation? That's not the grossest thing. I think we all know the grossest thing right now. For people to look at is a mask on the ground, a littered, dirty mask that has collected some debris. It's probably blown a few blocks. It's got some hair on it, has a leaf on it. You've had this moment, right? You get out of your car, you look down, there's just someone's mask. It's the grossest shit I've ever seen. I don't know why. You just see it and you go, oh God, someone's mask. Just floating in the wind? In public? I'm less grossed out by someone littering a bag of their dog shit. Just didn't pick it up, or actually picked it up in a bag and left it on the sidewalk. We've all seen that. Very weird. But someone's mask on the ground's disgusting. A year ago especially a year ago. I guess I'm getting used to it more. So maybe I'm becoming desensitized to a floating, dirty litter mask. But a year ago, you just looked at a mask like that and went, oh, no, 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 that's COVID. Like, that's how I'm going to catch it. Someone's mask is just going to fly into my face while I'm not wearing my mask. And that's my story. That's my life story of how I caught COVID. And I still see them and they still kind of trigger me. Oh boy. That's a dirty mask on the ground. It's the grossest shit you've ever seen. You know, you agree. No, shaking your head no, move on. Well, I already covered the Baldwin topic and you already heard about the vitamin shop. So where am I going? He's got to be going somewhere. He's got to be going somewhere. I am, I am. I've had the feeling lately of being irritated for no real reason. This is called sweating the small stuff. Who else does this? Raise your hand. All of you, just raise your hand, okay? Hold on, I'm counting. Uh Uh-huh, okay. So you also sweat the small stuff? Okay, but you also need deodorant because as you raised your hand, I saw one of the big old wet spots and let's just say you should probably take care of that. Your mind clings to the negative, doesn't it, sometimes? Doesn't it? It's not just me. It's part of our evolution. Evolution. Human beings, just worrying, worrying, worrying. You can objectively say, everything's okay. My feet are on the ground. I'm healthy right now. My family's healthy. My friends are healthy. If that's the case, why are you still worried about something? If you receive 50 compliments today, think about this. You receive 50 compliments today. People are giving you legitimate compliments, but one person just calls you ugly. Tonight, when you go to bed, what are you going to be thinking about? What stays with you? You ugly son of a bitch. That's what you're going to see in the mirror. Am I ugly? Oh, no, it's like Elaine when she was with the guy who's a bad breaker upper and she just couldn't wait. What's he going to say to me? You've seen that Seinfeld where Elaine's about to get dumped and she's almost excited because this guy has a reputation of being a bad breaker upper. And he just says, you got a big head. And the rest of the episode, she's self-conscious. Do I have a big head? Can people hit a nerve of truth sometimes when they accidentally insult you? Sure. Sure. Why does it stay with us? I don't know. You come across 10 nice people on a walk. 10 nice people. Hey, how are you? Good. Yeah, it's been warm lately. Terrific. How are the kids? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Spectacular. I'll see you. And then one person you say hi to and they just keep walking and they just keep walking. You go, what? You're not going to say hi on this neighborhood street this is where we say hi and then you have I don't know 3 to 4 seconds of rage where you're like I want to tackle you into the pavement cuz you didn't say hi. Why does that one interaction that didn't go the way you wanted it to go why does that stay with you? Our minds cling to the negative. That's why we have to work through this. We have to be present. That's why we're not present. Most of us aren't present. We like saying that, "Oh, I feel present." No, you don't. You're thinking about something from the past or you're worried about something from the future. That's just how we're wired. We're bothered by so much shit. If you can't relate to this, wonderful. That's actually wonderful if you can't relate to this. But it's why sports radio was tough. Sports radio was supposed to be really fun, right? Hey, it's just sports radio. But for years, it was tough. I liked the first part of that career. For the last part of the career, I think I lost my identity at times, just worried about the haters and the doubters and the critics and the people that wrote you shitty emails or wrote mean shit to you. Even death threats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll get to that in a moment. But sports radio has a constant feedback loop. You say, we're taking callers. You could tweet at me. You could email the show. You can call. You could tweet at us. You can email the show. Some people even send snail mail. I'm not making that up. Some people actually write letters. Mean letters. Hey, here's why I don't enjoy your radio program. I wish you said this about the Chargers, and instead you said the other thing I didn't want you to say about the Chargers. Why aren't you giving the rookie running back a chance? Best wishes, Hal Seaver. With his address. Okay, thanks, Hal. Thanks for the snail mail. But sports radio... Became tougher and tougher and tougher because I let the critics in. I let the critics take a walk around my mind and I said, wait, wait, wait. Am I losing what I want to say right now because I'm worried? I'm just worried about saying things that are going to upset people. Did I lose my authenticity at times? That was my worry. Then it became a very meta experience of being worried about that worry. Oh, no. Am I worried that I'm not going to be my genuine self on the air because the first three emails I'm going to get are, fuck you, you have the worst show. Now, I could get 100 emails. There were days where I got maybe 60, 70 emails. People that love the show, love the show, enjoy it. You guys are great. But if one person said, hey guys, why don't you quit? Or better yet, kill yourselves. That's the one. That's the one that I go home with. And now I transfer that Awful feeling onto whoever I associate with later, from an old beagle to an old girlfriend. If I came home in a bad mood after a show, even if it was a good show, but I got one mean email, I don't think I was mature enough. It didn't have the tools to shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. Even right now, I love all my students. I actually mean that. I'm having a really good year. This is year seven or eight, sometimes I forget, of being a high school teacher. Love these students, genuinely like them. Coworkers, I like most of them. But if there's one. If there's one who says something that I don't like, then I come home and I tell my wife. Isn't that shitty? I should come home and tell my wife about the 150 wonderful kids that I get to work with. But instead I come home and I go, there's this one other teacher and he said, what am I talking about? This is what I'm going to work on. Not being consumed with the one little thorn. It's just a little thorn. It's just a little splinter. Get the tweezer. Get the tweezer. All right. Take it out, take out the splinter, throw it away. Take a breath. (sighs) Why are they not using toy guns? Movies are fake, fake productions. Movies are fake life and you're putting guns on sets. Let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go back. So sports radio listeners, they come in all different flavors. It's a variety pack. Sports radio listeners. Could be a billionaire out in Rancho Santa Fe. Could be somebody homeless. Radio is free. Radio is free. So you get all the listeners. You get someone who's from an affluent background. You got doctors and attorneys who listen to your show. And you also have people who are completely unstable. Throughout the years, I remember there would be these emails saying, avoid this. Someone in the parking lot, avoid this exit. And it wouldn't even be for your show sometimes, but you knew that there was a crazy person lurking on another show. You would hear that the police are investigating some threats. This is just radio. That's all I'm talking about is radio. So you think about this low level. I mean, this is local sports radio in San Diego. Think about what Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd, Jim Rome, some of the big dogs of sports radio. They probably get death threats daily. But it did happen. It happened once. And I'll never forget that level of fear. Here's how fragile I am. My co-host, Sherrod, and I were doing a show. In studio, just doing a show. During the break, producer comes in and says, someone just showed up in the lobby. Out of their mind, angry at something you guys said. I don't even know what I said. I might have said something about the Chargers D. Needs to improve. (gasps) What a hot take. I mean, we weren't even talking politics. We weren't even talking about things that matter. Some crazy person off the street came into the radio station. Luckily, the doors are locked, but went nuts on the receptionist. And now my producer's telling me, "Um, you guys want to exit through the back door. I'm like, what the fuck? What is this? What is this? And so they launch an investigation. What are they going to find? What are they going to find? Nothing. But the next day, there's weird voicemails being left. At the station, more threats and more threats. And then let me fast forward to August. Yep, they send us to Chargers Park to cover Chargers practices. We're doing shows all throughout the day, interviews all throughout the day. It sounds great, doesn't it? It's not. The Chargers head of PR, the director of public relations, this guy named Bill Johnston, he came up to me and Sherrod. During one of our breaks and said, someone is here trying to climb the fence, threatening to kill you guys. No, not the players, not the coaches, but a listener, a listener. Now that day I might've gotten 40 emails saying, Hey guys, love the show. Good interviews. Hey guys, I'm enjoying the content today. But when Bill Johnston, the director of public relations of the charges says, guys, I'm being serious. We had to just send security out to some crazy person trying to hop a fence threatening to kill you guys I went home that night uh yeah complete terror not a lot of sleep almost to the point where I'm like I don't think I need this anymore maybe I'll become a teacher I'm not kidding I thought of that for the first time I think that's when I said you know this profession no thanks I mean to grow old this way That's a volatile profession, not just because you're tied to your previous ratings. Like, you might have a good month, good month, good month, one shitty month, and that's now you. That defines you. So, there's always someone pushing you out the door, ready to take your spot. It's competitive. There's egos. There's a lot of good stuff, too. But the death threat? The death threat at Chargers Park? Sherrod was like, we're fine, right? We're fine. I'm like, are we fine? He's like, yeah, we're fine. Calm down. We're fine. He was even laughing, looking at me being so concerned. I was like, so we just go into now talking about the... Raiders game on Sunday? Uh, someone tried to hop the fence. What's happening? But Colin Coward, he probably had a death threat today. You think he cares? No, I want to be wired like Colin. Dan Patrick, any of these well-respected old radio dinosaurs, they probably just go, it's part of the biz. And they light up a cigar, kick back in their lazy boy recliner, watch Monday Night Football as their butler gets them another Hennessy and lime. A lot of nice fans, though. There were a lot of nice ones, too. <laughs> By the way, when I laugh like that, when I laugh like that, that's not a real laugh. It's a nervous laugh, if that's my transition. And that's what it was like to get a death threat at Chargers Park. <laughs> that's a laugh that could turn into a cry real quick. But when you tell me you think Tupac might have been the best rapper of all time, I'd probably agree. But weren't we all just convinced that he was the best because he had the best laugh. He seemed to be so entertained by his own lyrics, by his own songs. Go back and listen to some Tupac. He'll hit a verse. In will come the chorus. And then when he's ready to spit another verse, he'll give you this little laugh. And it has a profound impact on the listener. They go, well, this must be good, because I'm now happy. You can't be unhappy and listen to Tupac laugh before he starts rhyming. You just can't. You want me to prove it? You can't be in a bad mood when you listen to Tupac, even if he's angry talking about killing someone like Biggie and all the East Coast rappers. By the way, they were artists. Isn't that weird to think about when we talk about, ooh, there was bad blood between rappers? Rappers write rhymes and they put it over beats and it got to the point where there were killings? They're just artists. Hey, I wrote some rhymes and my song came out and it hurt someone's feelings and now we have East Coast, West Coast beef. That's some dumb beef. I mean, that's Steak'em's Dumb. You remember Steak'em's? That was Dumb Beef. But East Coast, West Coast, Rap Battle Beef? That's Dumb Beef. That's also going to be the title of my memoir one day, Dumb Beef, the Josh Rosenberg story. All right, hold on. Let's, uh, Let's go to the Me Against the World album, which was amazing. Let's go to the song Old School, which is just the best tribute to not just old school rappers, but just old school life. Vintage nostalgia with Tupac. Let's go into that one, and you'll hear what I mean. You'll hear what I mean with that laugh. like <laughs> <Where's> the, <day laughs> the old school I wouldn't be the old school day, <laughs> hey. Hey. Remember popping and lockin' and Curtis blow the name belts And Scott LaRock, the super ho back in Latin quarters? With slick rake, with slick and la-di-da-di. Came the hoochies at the neighborhood block. Do you hear that right there? Do you hear that right there? He was quick with it. It wasn't a big long laugh, but here, check it again. Check it again. It'll make you happy. getting pretty crazy up in the motherfucker party. to go. It's Brooklyn in and motherfuckers would lose their goddamn mind. That's the old school to be. That's what I'm saying. I remember going places and motherfuckers were scared to say it was anywhere about Brooklyn. That shit was the bomb back in the motherfucking old school. God, his use of the word motherfucker. That's art. I mean, that's eloquent poetry to my ears. Who says motherfucker with that level? of grace and intensity combined. My goodness. It was quick, right? Just a little. (laughs) Sometimes it is the littlest thing that makes you love an artist. (laughs) 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 Ha, <laughs> 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 You just picture him in the studio drinking a bunch of Alizé, smoking blunt after blunt after blunt, creating magic, magic, magic's in the air. Have you ever seen a mask on the ground? What if my memory was that bad? Is there anything grosser than it? You said it already, pal. All right, I'm going to say a word and you tell me what you think of. I'm going to say a word. And you just tell me what you think of. I'm going to pretend we're in a conversation. I'm going to say a word right now. You tell me what you think of. Ready? Liberal. This word has been demonized. Liberal. I'm going to give you the definition in a moment. But first, think about what is conjured up in your mind. Liberal. Maybe there's a bunch of different connotations. Maybe there's different imagery floating in your mind like it used to mean this, but now it stands for this. Let me just give you the bare minimum definition. Just Googling, just Googling. All right. It's weird that this word is under fire and I don't just mean by conservatives, people on the right, but it seems like it's easy to talk some shit about liberals So the actual definition, if you take time to just go to the dictionary, it says liberal, someone willing to respect or accept behavior or opinions different from their own, being open to new ideas, supporting policies for social welfare, for individual rights, for civil liberties, democracy and free enterprise. All right. So it basically means you're into promoting individual rights, respecting all people's behaviors, opinions. If they're different from your own, you're still receptive to understanding that you're in a world with other viewpoints. And then as a political ideology, it's going to be somebody that supports government involvement to help create programs of social change and political change. Okay. Okay. And then on the flip side, it's conservative. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. We like the traditional ways. Governments stay out of this. If you're a traditionalist, you probably look at your own family lineage and you go, yeah, I like that story. I like that grandpa was like that. It's charming, right? You know, black and white photos. That was America. Yeah. It's relative to whatever your family experience was. If your family experience was just totally marginalized and crushed and oppressed you're probably not thinking, I'd like to conserve that. Yeah, that tradition. But liberal, liberal could be associated with the woke generation that upsets a lot of people, cancel culture that upsets a lot of people that you could be too liberal. But just the basic definition, caring about civil liberties, individual rights, democracy. I was thinking, if you're working in a public school without even labeling yourself a liberal Aren't those qualities you have to have? If you're working in a public school, that means you're going to look around your classroom and you'll probably see a white kid, a black kid, a Hispanic kid, kids from the LGBTQ community, probably a trans student as well. If you're working in public schools long enough, you're going to be faced with that. You're going to stand up in front of a classroom of teenagers and you're going to see all the many different types of humans that exist. Public school opens its doors to anybody and everybody. And if you're going to facilitate those discussions, those assignments, those activities, even without calling yourself a liberal, you probably have to have those qualities, right? Or if you're closed-minded, you're in the wrong career. It's kind of a bummer that words are so powerful. You don't want to be pigeonholed. Like even as I say that, I don't want people to listen and go, "Oh, Listen to this liberal ranting about who should be teaching. No, not even using the word liberal. But I had that moment the other day, just looking at my class. I was like, this is wonderful. Like, this is a beautiful thing. And this is the result of people fighting for inclusivity, people fighting. So certain groups could have a seat at the table and be comfortable once they get to the table. I think that's a big role of teachers to make everybody feel like you're a part of this. There's no mean girls. Maybe they are. I don't see much of it, luckily, although the movie was good. You know, this typical idea of jocks, mean girls, and that sets the tone for popularity. That's popular group. And anybody who doesn't fall into that mold, well, you're on the outskirts of this program, of this system. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing more and more kids happy to be gay, kids happy to show they're trans, kids happy to express their culture, their ethnicity. It's nice. But the adult in the room has to give the green light to all of that. And if those qualities fall into this category of liberal, liberal, then I don't think we should be demonizing that word. And now a word from our sponsors. Just tiptoeing away from that one. There's also plenty to conserve. Plenty of good things throughout the history of this nation. That's what I do on the first day of school. I have the kids write two lists. Things you like about this country, things you don't like about this country. There's a lot of things on both sides. But where we're going, it's going to be even more of a variety pack. Will there be enough resources for everybody that plus traffic and weather in our next episode? But for today, I realize I'm up against the clock. How could that be on a podcast? You're up against the clock. I got to go pick up my daughter at this amazing daycare or school, I should call it. And her teachers are the greatest people I've ever met. And should get paid a lot, but they probably don't. How sad is that? They should get paid a lot. I have about 160 teens this year. I think the teachers who have about 23 to 4-year-olds, I think they work harder than me. I think they're better than me. I think they're superior to me. It seems so hard. Could you imagine Could you imagine? These are angels. I know I've talked about these people before, but preschool workers, holy shit, who do it really well, like who put their all into it and care to nurture every kid. So when the parents come to pick them up, how was it? They go, it was wonderful. And then the kids prove it by developing and blossoming and learning things. Uh, That's probably the best feeling I could have nowadays is when you see that the preschool or the little daycare you send your kid to is causing positives to happen for your kid. You feeling me on this? Did I wrap up the liberal conservative stuff yet? I feel, I feel like I got to wrap that up. I have to have a profound exclamation point. I can't just send it to break, to this phantom break, unless I get sponsored by a supplement from the vitamin shop that I will happily lie about and say it has really made me feel differently. I feel stronger. I feel more confident in the bedroom. And I like being naked in the mirror. That's a good ad for any supplement. But oh yeah, I heard Mark Maron say this, and it stuck with me. Mark Maron was talking to Hassan Minhaj, am I pronouncing this correctly? Who's not that funny. He's a stand-up comedian. He has a show called Patriot Act on Netflix. And it wasn't even a good conversation. It wasn't even a good interview. But Minhaj was saying, you know, there's a lot of comedians who perform around America And they perform for their crowd. There are black rooms. There are rooms for Latino comics. There's rooms for Hispanic comics, gay comics. And we are kind of segregated. There's a lot of big clubs and big venues where big comics go. But then there's a lot of small little neighborhood rooms which kind of reflect the comedy of certain groups. And he was saying, when you're a young comic, you go play all these rooms. No matter who you are, you just try to get some open mic time wherever you are. And you realize that's America, too that's all america like if you're playing in a room with a bunch of mexican americans and they're laughing it's a sliver of the country that may not be well represented as people look at the red white and blue but they certainly exist i think that's the importance of getting out of your bubble traveling around a little bit and comedians get to do that they get thrown all over the country looking for microphones but what do they end up learning That America is so many different colors. And even if I say this and it sounds obvious, a lot of us don't see it. We just sit on our same couch with our same neighbors and our same community and our same Netflix shows and we don't really see it. But when you see it, when you actually go see different communities, you realize there's nothing about traditional values that would matter to certain groups that are just finally Getting a seat at the table. And that's also America. That's the beauty of it. It's fluid. It's evolving. It's going somewhere. It doesn't stay stuck. It doesn't just stay stuck as people go, now we're done. We're going to just plateau. Good luck. If you want to just plateau and you're clinging to something from the past because it looks good in your grandpa's black and white photos, then you fucked. Then you fucked. Okay? I guess this was unintentionally the most liberal rant of my life. And that's how I'm going to end. We're out of here, folks. We're out of here. We're going to go do our daycare pickups, and then we're going to battle back for episode 161. Be sure to leave a rating on iTunes. Uh, I'm also on Spotify. The book is called Suddenly Facing Reality on Amazon. Grab that as well. I'm currently reading George Plimpton's Paper Lion. If you want to do a book club with me, you read Paper Lion. I read Paper Lion. Then we'll talk about it on Twitter at JRosenberg957. Even though Twitter is a toxic place and I never want to go there, I still tell you I'm on Twitter at JRosenberg957. All right, that's it. Episode 160. It's in the books.